0: My name is Keith Cowart, lead pastor of Christ Community, and each week I or one of our pastors will bring a message that we pray will stir your heart. We believe that God is the source of life and truth and that his word is one of the primary means through which we make that vital connection with God. It's our hope that whether you're already a believer or just beginning to open your heart to God, that the truth of his word would point you to him. He came that you would have life and that more abundantly. It's necessary
1: for believers to move into these regions where the people are unreached and tell them the gospel. I just marveled at her because her children were there too. Yet she and her husband decided it was worth it. Another uh, short story, I was in uh, Thailand recently. And Thailand is one of those countries that uh, does have access to the scriptures. They do have the Bible in their language. uh, But many people still haven't heard the majority of the population there is, is Thai Buddhist. It's a form of uh, Buddhism that, that's practiced primarily in that country. It's kind of um, unique. And I remember uh, walking with the church leaders there. We went to a, a marketplace next to a river with the smell of dead fish all around us and the diesel fuel from the boats. And the church leader, a Thai man, was handing out scripture and speaking in the church, or speaking about the gospel in the the street. And, And Thai people were flocking to him to get these Bibles. And I remember thinking, wow, if there was a man preaching in the streets in our country, a Christian nation, people would think he's crazy. But, but these people were flocking to him and returning and getting more Bibles for their friends and families to bring home. Because it was the first time they had ever heard the good news of a God who actually cared about them. It was amazing to see. <clears throat> but it was offset by visions of people in temples. I saw many times mothers bringing their young children to the temple to be blessed. They would bow down in front of a statue. And they would give flowers as a sacrifice and gold. And they would pray to these statues. And they would pray that this piece of metal would bless their child. And they had never heard of a personal God who loved them, who reached down for them to have a relationship with him. These are types of things that we just don't see in our country because we've been blessed. With the gospel. Do you know that there are over 500 uh, versions of the Bible in English? Many uh, people groups don't even have one in their language. So that brings me to talk about people groups. I think our time is running short, so I'll I'll fast forward. Um, I'll shorten it. When Jesus spoke about. uh, this gospel of the kingdom being given to all nations, and then the end will come. The, the Greek word is ethne. Many of you have, have heard of this. Ethne, uh, we translate it as as nation, or in our mind we think of country with borders, but in uh, there's been many studies of this word ethne used in Revelation, used in Paul's writings, used in Jesus' writings, and in it they speak of people groups. We can, we can take that one off. <clears throat> we can go back to a map. The word ethne speaks of people groups. These are people with a common heritage, a common culture, common history, uh, usually a common language as well. Uh, Some nations have up to 400 people groups in them. And so we know that the task at hand requires us to bring the gospel to all ethne, all people groups. And how are we doing in this? We know that there are around 16,000 people groups in the world and roughly Uh, 6,600 of them already have, uh, sorry, roughly 6,600 of them are unreached. They're in the category that we would say less than 2% of their population have um, a Christian witness or have become evangelical uh, Christians. So that means 9,000 of them have been reached. Here we are, 2015, and we have a a long ways to go still. Uh, Now, of those 6,600 that are unreached, there are 3,000 of them that are unengaged, which means they don't have a church presence, which means they don't have any Christians in them, they don't have missionaries, and we wonder why. Many of these are in what we call the 1040 window. It's a region of the world between 10 degrees north latitude and 40 degrees north latitude. It spans from North Africa to East Asia. You see it on the board. It's the countries marked in red. These are countries that have been identified as having a large amount of socioeconomic problems and the least access to Scripture and Christian resources. These are the countries where more than 95% of the world's unreached people groups reside. They're the countries that need the most cross-cultural ministers. So the question is, here we've had 2,000 years. Why are there still people groups that don't have the gospel? Here we are in the United States with three churches in less than a mile radius and 500 uh, translations of the scriptures in our language and we we ask why haven't these people groups been evangelized yet? Why haven't they heard of a God who loves them? Well, the answer is quite simple because it's difficult. There there are three ways I'd like to highlight before we close. Simply, these are the hardest countries to reach. Number one, there's a lot of persecution. In many of these countries, it's illegal to convert to Christianity. If people do, they'll be ostracized by their communities. In some of these countries, if a child or, or a, a son or daughter converts to Christianity, their father or brothers will be honor-bound to kill them. They'll be devastated. So, of course, they don't. Many of these countries are what we call closed access, where it's illegal to share the gospel in them. It's illegal to proselytize. It's illegal for missionary organizations to exist in their countries. <clears throat> Persecution is one of the, the biggest reasons. You see on the, the board now, this is uh, a map made by Open Doors. It's called the 2015 World Watch List. The countries with color are those that have been marked as persecuted. The red ones are the most severely persecuted often where people are face the death sentence for converting to Christianity. The orange ones are, are areas where they still are persecuted, but to a lesser degree. They're still harshly persecuted. The green and the blue are lesser degrees of persecution. And persecution doesn't just come in the form of government persecution. Oftentimes people can be, uh, they'll lose their job if it's found out that they're a Christian. In, in Nepal, for example, a, a Hindu slash Buddhist uh, country, the Christians are seen as a lower class. They're seen as dirty. And so if, if someone works in the food or service industry, they, they often will lose their job because they're, they're now seen as unclean. Uh, this is a form of, of communal persecution. Uh, another form, often in, in the Middle East, as, as we, uh, we hear the news and we read uh, certain books, we know that uh, there are groups that actually, non-governmental groups that actually go around and hunt Christians down just as they did in Jesus' time and, and kill them. Uh, we were in a, a region in the Middle East recently and doing some training. And we um, we got wind that the security forces of that country had were, were conducting surveillance on us and on the, the people that we were working with. and. Praise the Lord we got wind of this soon enough and we, we left in a hurry. We left all the equipment and everything there and we got out of there and our partners got out of there as well and we've, we heard that within the hour the security forces came to the site that we were at and um, that day they investigated, searched the whole place, interrogated the people there and praise the Lord uh, they were able to escape without revealing any information. Um, but that type of thing rests heavy on on people in these countries as they work to do church planting and share the gospel. Uh, Another barrier to reaching these people is Bible translation. We know that uh, people need to have the scriptures in their heart languages. There's something about hearing the words of God. People say, God speaks in my language that enables them to believe that this is not just a Western religion but a language of their own. At this point, there are uh, 6,901 languages in the world today. And we know that around 531 of them have the entire Bible. Now, this is a great task. It takes many years to complete Bible translations. Uh, around 1,300 of them have a, a complete New Testament. And then. Just shy of 2000, just a slightly more than 2,000 of them have Bible translation projects in progress. So that means they have portions of Scripture or, or their are teams doing language surveys, or they are doing investigations of their, of their phonetics and their um, linguistics. Still, that remains more than 3,000 languages in the world today that don't have any scripture in their language. More than that, they don't even have any projects moving on. That's almost half of the world's languages that don't have scripture. A third barrier, we talked about persecution, we talked about language uh, and Bible translation. A third barrier is the way the resources are being allocated. So, and this is the, the saddest, because here in the United States, we have many of the resources. We have... Funds, we have finances, we have education. there are so many portions of Christian resources that are in English but are locked up by copyright that the rest of the world can 't access and can 't even translate from because they don 't have permission. This is the saddest as, as we look at the the entire amount of cross cultural missionaries that have been sent out to other countries to do ministry. We see that 72% of them have been sent out to other countries, but that these countries are those in the Christian world. We see in Latin America, in Russia, in the United States. I suppose most of you know that Korea and China are sending missionaries here to the United States to reach our people because there's such a need. It's true, the need is great. 87% of the finances for cross-cultural ministry are going towards countries and people groups that already uh, have a Christian presence. As we go, we talked about the second tier of the 38% who have access to the gospel. They have a church in their people group. They have scripture in their language. 25% of all cross-cultural missionaries are going to these areas. 12% of finances that are collected for cross-cultural missions are going to these And finally, we speak about those uh, people groups that don't have access to the scripture. Many of them are uh, in countries where it's very difficult to do missionary work, in Iran, in Algeria, large parts of North Africa and the Middle East, areas where the dominant religion is um, hostile toward Christianity. In in these areas, uh, only 3% of cross-cultural missionaries go. And only 1% of all the funds that the church gives for cross-cultural ministry are going to these unreached, unengaged uh, locations. And we ask, why? I ask, why? I don't know the answer to that. I think the answer is very complex. It probably has to do with uh, organizations, hierarchies, the ease of which it is to reach the other areas. I don't know the answer to that. But I do know that the Lord has gifted us the invitation to engage in this. Each of you sitting in the pews today, in the chairs, and myself, each of our brothers and sisters in the world, the Lord has invited us to be part of His mission. We see what He did when He He revealed Himself to Abraham in Genesis. We see what He did when He revealed Himself in the incarnate incarnate Son, in Jesus. We see what He did through the early church. We see what He's doing now. There are over 400,000 missionaries in the world today this is something we praise the Lord for but we need many more we need many more and I believe that the Lord is inviting you to reach the unengaged there are a number of opportunities for us as we go number one we can go there are many of you in this room I I believe that the Lord may be calling to go to go to another country to begin to learn about a people group, to begin to pray, to ask the Lord. I pray that you would listen to the Lord. A man named David Platt, the leader of the International Mission Board, has issued a call to the church to raise up 500,000 more missionaries in the world. And these don't just need to look like our brothers and sisters in Bulgaria. They don't need to look like me or the other people that you imagine in the deepest jungles of Papua New Guinea. They look like professionals. David Platt says the only way to come up with 500,000 people to reach unreached people groups is to equip our professionals. I know accountants who are going abroad. In the Middle East, I know aircraft mechanics and pilots who are who are ministering to the unreached people groups they go and I would invite you to go as well I know we are running short on time I would invite you to send as well there are many needs for a church to send prayer, giving, equipping teaching your young people to read the Bible and to teach it they need coaches and mentors third, I would invite you to welcome what do we mean by that? In the United States, there are over 880,000 international students. These international students come from 62% of the world's unreached people groups. There are 350 unreached people groups here in the United States. Many of them are going to your colleges. Remind you to invite these students to your houses. Share with them the scripture. Because when they go back, they'll be leaders in their countries. As we do these three things, go, send, welcome, there are three primary ways that I would invite you to engage in these. Number one is prayer. The Lord says that the the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Number two is give. We know that in the Western world we have a dominant amount of the world's resources. Invest them in the eternal reward. Number three is train. Train. The Lord has equipped you. You have pastors, you have teachers here. The Lord has equipped you with education. It's unfathomable amount the amount of education, the amount of theological knowledge that we have here sitting in these chairs. I would invite you to invest it in your young people and encourage them to get out the door. We know the beginning. We've shared the middle. We look forward to the end where vast multitudes of people from every tribe and nation and language and people will be gathered around the throne. We will be there, looking around at our brothers from Nigeria, from Papua New Guinea, from Bulgaria, we'll be worshiping the Lord together. I would invite you to make that happen. May I pray for us as we go? Heavenly Father, you're the King. Lord, we know that uh, you have called us into your mission; that you will accomplish it. Lord, I pray that you would work in the hearts of the people here; that they would step into your mission, even more than we are today. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Um, let me let me touch let me touch on something really important here. Yeah, you know, one of the things that's really powerful about this morning is um, just the, the, the diversity and the, the, the heart for missions that's already here in our church. Um, you know, the, the people that spoke earlier, that introduced those songs, those were not people that were imported. They were people that are out of our own church. Valeria Marto, um, speaking the word in Portuguese, um, Renata Staten, speaking the word in German, um, Sam Tom speaking the, the word, I'm not sure what that language was. It wasn't Swahili, it was his tribal language. And, uh, and then uh, uh, Daniel Zhang was speaking it in Chinese. All these are part, people are part of our community, part of our church. We could have done twice that many, quite frankly. Um, we, did, we weren't going to sing that many songs. but We have that many internationals already in our community. This is not a day where we're trying to raise funds for missions. You know that we are a missional church, but that's actually not what we're doing this morning. We're not here to raise funds. We're really here to celebrate what God is already doing. Uh, one of the things that I want to say to you this morning as your pastor is I want to thank you for your faithfulness, particularly uh, in the 50-50 campaign. Now, actually, whenever you give to Christ's community, 10% of that is given to what we call kingdom funds right off the top. Every tithe, every dollar that's given in any form, we always tithe to missions. But in addition to that, last year we inaugurated the 50-50 plan, which was meant, number one, to get us completely out of debt so that we could be more generous as a church, and two, to give half of everything that comes in for that to uh, kingdom purposes or to reach the world with the gospel. I want you to see what has already be get, been given through this past month um, is $755,000 has been given to the fifty-fifty campaign. Now, let me just... All this math is not up there, but basically that means we're now under $200,000 in debt. Praise God. From over a million... A year and a half ago, a year and a half ago, we were over a million dollars in debt. Now we're only $200,000 in debt. Once we get that completely wiped out, we can be even more generous to the kingdom. In addition, that has given us $378,000, just shy of it, that has gone to kingdom funds. Some of that's gone to church planting. We now have a campus in Phoenix City that's uh, a result of that. Uh, Some of that has gone to local. Uh, In fact, I'll just tell you very quickly, you can see the list of things here. I'm not going to go into each one of those individually, but I can tell you that locally we have given $18,000 in special gifts to local ministers ministries to help their work. In addition we have, uh, to that, we've given almost $80,000 to world mission special gifts. All of this is in addition to what we do monthly in supporting more than 20 missionaries around the world, more than $10,000 a month, already is something that we give on a regular basis. This is all in addition, and it is because of the 50-50 Uh, campaign that you have been faithful to so we're not here to raise money we're here to thank you for what you've already given that has enabled us to give over $100,000 already to local and foreign missions just because of that campaign. We have more funds that will be given uh, every month. We're giving new funds to new works. Uh, we've got some really exciting things to tell you about in a few months. We couldn't tell you today, but we will tell you about those down the road. So I want to thank you for your faithfulness. I want to encourage you, if you've not finished uh, that gift or that. That pledge to complete it, so that we can get completely debt free and give even more to Kingdom funds. If you're new and you're not, uh, haven't yet started giving, then we would invite you to be a part of this to help us to get debt free and to multiply our kingdom giving. Let me just say this: we do not want to be one of those churches, and America is full of them that is spending the majority of its resources on its own needs. Part of the reason that we exist as a church is that we radically believe that God has called us to give generously and sacrificially to the kingdom work that's out there. We don't want to just be maintaining what we're doing here. We want to be giving radically to God's kingdom work. Thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for your heart and your willingness to give that's made that possible. Uh, it was mentioned earlier that some of you may want to be a part of a mission trip. Uh, let me just tell you that we're praying about several different possibilities. These are the possibilities. No, we're not going to do all of these, but these are possibilities, and will, we're going to choose which ones based on your interests. So let me just tell you what's, what the possibilities are. Number one, we're looking at doing locally or domestically, uh, a mission trip to Detroit, Tom and Jennifer Jacobs who left our church last uh, two years ago and moved to Detroit have invited us to come and do work in the inner city of Detroit. We have also been called to the uh, Free Methodist headquarters to help with seed ministry in Indianapolis. Uh, we are considering a trip to Mexico with Laughing Child International. Uh, we will definitely be doing a couple of small trips to, back to Peru to continue the work there in Peru. We will definitely be going to Bulgaria to be with our friends, uh, the Galloways in Bulgaria. Um, Spain is a possibility. It is a prayer tour uh, around the country of Spain. That is something we're praying about. Um, at some point, either next year or the year after, we will be taking a team back to India. Don't know for sure when that's going to happen, but it's on, the, it's on the radar. And then we are almost certainly going to be taking a team to Rwanda uh, this next year. So these are trips that we're looking at. Some of them are already pretty solid and committed. Others we will do based on interest. So keep your ears open for mission trip interest uh, meetings that will be taking place in the near future. We would love for you to be a part of this. Nothing will give you a heart for God's world more than going and seeing it for yourself. So I want to encourage you to do that.